bear your cross as you wait for the crown. Share with the whole world the hope that you found. I want to ask you this morning before we even get started in everything the Lord has put on my heart for this message. Is is that your calling? Is that what you're doing? Is that what wakes you up in the morning and says, I want to share with the world the hope that's in me, the, the living hope of Jesus Christ. Is that what gets you going every day? And I pray that it is. And if that's not the case, and I pray that, that as we walk through this scripture today, that you will begin to, to say, I want to just wake up every day and just share with the whole world the hope of Jesus Christ. Amen. As Brother Fred just shared that today and, and next Sunday, we're going to do a part one, part two series on the signs of the time and the returning of Jesus Christ. And let me ask you this question. If Jesus Christ were to come back next week, would you spend this whole week letting the world know about the hope of Jesus Christ? It's the only thing that will save their lives. I want to share with you my life verse as we get started this morning. It says 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. It says, My message and preaching are not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and the power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of man. It will not rest on me, but yet it will rest on the power of God. Let us pray this morning. God, as we come into this place this morning, Lord, we are, I'm, I'm asking, Lord, remove me, place me on the front row, and let me just watch what the presence of the Holy Spirit, the, the presence of the living God wants to do in this place. Lord, in light of everything that we are seeing in our world today, God, may we understand the times. Lord, may we not be fearful, but may we be expectant. Lord, we love you and we praise you, for it's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. All right, so this morning as we get started, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 1. So you don't have to turn there because I think you got some of this memorized. But if you want to turn in your scriptures, go on and open up to Matthew 24. If you want to open up your scriptures, open up to Matthew 24. At the end of service today, uh, I've got a lot of scripture, which means I'm going to go fast. But I'll try to slow down as much as I can, as much as I can. So after service today, uh, we're going to throw up a slide that has all my scripture on there so that you can write it down afterwards. And, 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 and all those who are note takers, they say amen, right? Genesis chapter 1 says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So who created what we're, where we're at today? God. We all know that. We know the account of creation in Genesis 1, right? Everybody agrees to that. At the end of chapter 1, in verse 31, God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Everything God made was very good. So then we have the Garden of Eden. We have Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 3. You know the story, you know what took place. And so Adam and Eve are placed in the Garden of Eden. They were told they could eat of any tree except one. Now, I understand that the scripture says the tree of of, of good uh, knowledge of good and evil, but I'm going to call it the tree of death. Because when they ate, or if they were to eat of this tree, what would take place? They would die. Right? That's what God spoke to them. So we have the tree of life. 
And we have the tree of death in some sense. Because when they ate of it, they would die. Well, we know what takes place. Eve sees this, this fruit and she sees that it's pleasing to the eye, good to eat. So she takes of it and she eats it. Then she gives it to her husband. He eats of it. Their eyes are opened and they realize that they're naked. They realize they had made a mistake. They realize they had sinned. And so what did they do? They tried to hide themselves from God. God shows up on the scene. And let's go to verse 17 of Genesis chapter 3. In verses 14 and on, it's the curse that goes forth to the woman. Many of y'all know that. But I want to skip to verse 17 where he begins to deal with Adam and he says this. Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I have commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Cursed is the ground because of you. Now, now I totally got so excited about my message, I skipped point one. Point one was, is that it was, this was a perfect earth. It was a perfect world. Genesis chapter 1 shows us that God created, and what He created was very good, and it was a perfect world. Point number one. Point number two is that this is now a fallen world. We see in Genesis chapter 3, the fall of man as we call it, and then the curses that come out from that. God puts a curse on on the serpent, God puts a curse on, on woman, and then he says, cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Verse 18, both thorns and thistles it will grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground because from it you are taken and from your dust and from for you are dust and to the dust you shall return. We see in the fallen world in Genesis chapter 3 we see two things I want to focus on today. Number 1, death entered this world. Before that moment, death had not come into the world. There was no death. Like the lion and the lamb, they would lay down together. See, today, we, we will say the circle of life and we'll say, you know, well, let's look at, you know, they'll go on a safari and you'll see two animals like fighting at each other and, and everybody's like, whoa, that's so cool. Look at those animals fighting. And then all of a sudden, one takes one out and it kills it. And we've got it all over YouTube. You can watch animals in the wild basically destroying each other. And let me tell you something, that is a direct sign of the fallen world. Before Genesis chapter 3, that didn't take place. See, our schools will teach us, oh, look at these instincts that that, that God created in them so they can go and feed themselves. What they don't teach is, is that before the fall of man, this did not exist. Death enters the world. Even in the movie Madagascar, many of y'all may have seen that movie, there's a song in there and they're singing, oh, what a wonderful life, what a wonderful world. And in the midst of it, the, 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 the animals are watching other animals eat each other. And it's like, what a wonderful world, like you've missed it. This, it's been cursed. Death has entered into the scene now in Genesis chapter 3. And then we see the curse on the world. The thistles and the thorns will be grown. 
I want you to see in verse 21 of Genesis chapter 3, the first reference to death in all of Scripture. It says, The Lord made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. The first reference to death ever in the Scripture is right here, outside of him saying, If you eat of this tree, you will surely die. But we see an animal has to be slain in this moment for them to put skins, for God to put skins on Adam and Eve. And so we see that death enters the world. So because of the fall of man... The two things I want to focus on today is, number one, death enters the world. Number two is that there is a broken, cursed world at this moment. Now, when we talk about death, let's look at Romans 5, chapter 12. It says this, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, why? Because all had sinned. Because of Genesis chapter 3, death entered the world. Let me just explain something to you. Before the fall of man, death was not there. So therefore, in some sense, we weren't created in a way to understand death. We don't get it. It's painful. But that's not how God designed it. But it's because of the fall of man that we now have death that's entered the world. You know, we sit here and we look and we're going to talk in just a second about the signs of the time. We have Hurricane Irma, we have Hurricane Harvey, we had Hurricane Maria, we have earthquakes going on even yesterday down in Mexico. We have all these things going on and guess what's taking place? Death is happening because of all these different things that are taking place. We weren't created to understand that. You say, David... Why, why does this person die? Or why did that person die? Or man, this person was so young and they died. The question is not why does a person die, or excuse me, an individual, but the question is why do we all die? Why do we all die? Because of Genesis chapter 3. Because of the fall of man. Can I just tell you something? Today, every one of us have a 100% chance that we're going to die unless the Lord comes back. Every one of us. The scripture tells us also that we don't even know when that day will come. That life is but a vapor. Here one moment and gone the next. Listen, I'm not trying to scare anybody. But statistics prove this. That literally, that that, that you could walk out of this place and you could breathe your last today. As Brother Fred just shared, three amazing men and women who went to be with Jesus. And praise God, they only died once. And we'll explain that in a minute. They died here on this earth. But they didn't die spiritually. And we'll explain that in a second. But he just shared even one person who in their sleep or or had a heart attack just suddenly passed away. Death is here. And and, and it says that through one man it entered. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 26 it says this. The last enemy that will be abolished is what? Death. That scripture right there tells us that death is our enemy. It says the last enemy that will be abolished is death. Death. Death is our enemy. We weren't supposed to experience, now we do because of Genesis 3. So, the next thing, and I'm going to get to our response to all this in just a second, but I also want you to see that the earth has been cursed. Romans chapter 8, verse 8, 19 through 22, but let's just go straight to 22. It says this, For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of of childbirth together until now. The creation is groaning to be back to the time before Genesis chapter 3. 
You say, David, why, why do we have these massive Cat 5 hurricanes? Why do we have natural disasters? Let me tell you why. Because of the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3. That's why we have natural disasters. Literally, in the last 30 days, let me just share with you, Hurricane Harvey, Hurricane Irma, we had an earthquake in between those two, where? In Mexico. Then we had the big earthquake in Mexico. Then last Wednesday we had an earthquake in Japan that set off tsunami warnings. Then we had another earthquake yesterday in Mexico as well, 6.1, 6.2. We also had an earthquake in North Korea. They just don't know what it was, whether it was a bomb or whether it was natural. And then we have Hurricane Maria that comes through and totally just takes out so, like 100% of Puerto Rico is without power. I read even this morning that hysteria is starting to set in on the island because they're running out of all the things they need for life. And you say, David, why, why is all these things happening? Well, Romans chapter 8 tells us that the, the earth is groaning. It's the, it's the birth pains of the coming of the Lord. And let's just show you where that, that discuss that. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 through 8 says this. And they say, show us what we're going to see around the last time. Show us when the last days are coming. And, and this is what's said by Jesus. He says, and Jesus answers them and says, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead you. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of war. Let's stop there. What's going on in North Korea right now? I mean, I literally woke up this morning, and, and I, I like to look at the news and look at the Word of God to see what both sides are doing, right? And so I looked at, at the news, and what does it say except for North Korea is finding themselves in, in, in a backed-up corner, and they're either going to have to step down or they're going to have to do something militarily. Rumors of war. Just this morning they said that Iran and North Korea are trying to come together to create missiles that will ultimately destroy so many people. Rumors of war. The Islamic terrorism that we see all over the world, we can't define a, a graphic location of this is it right here. It's all over. It's happening in, in Europe, left and right. People don't, don't know when they wake up and get on the subway system that that day they're going to experience war. Rumors of war is happening all over this nation and all over this world. It says, see to it that you're not frightened. Why are we not frightened by this? Why are we not frightened by rumors of war? And let me just explain this. And, and if you're taking notes, write this down. The signs of the time do not bring about fear for a believer. The signs of the time bring about a joyous expectation of what is to come. Let me just say it again. The signs of the time does not bring about fear for a believer. The signs of the time bring about a joyous expectation of what is to come. I didn't say a joyous that that happened. I'm not happy of what happened over in, in, in Europe and, and all the things that are going on. That doesn't make me excited. But it brings about a joyous expectation that Jesus Christ is coming again. It brings about a joyous expectation that the Word of God continually verifies itself by what's happening. See to it that you're not frightened. For these things must take place, but that's not yet the end. 
For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. Now you sit here and you say, well, David, you know, there's earthquakes happening all the time. You know, they, they say there's like just hundreds of them happening all the time. Little ones that we can't really read and all that kind of stuff. Hey, David, do you really believe that since we had four or five in the past 30 days that, that it's a sign of the time? I think every time we see an earthquake, it reminds us that the, the time is near. Every time. Why do we need to sit there and try to cl- classify, well, this one is a sign and this one's not? You know why we do that sometimes? Because we begin to try to predict the actual date of when he's coming back. And let me just be real with you for a second. The scripture says in Matthew 24, 36, it says this, 24, verse 36, But of that day and of that hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor who? The Son, but the Father alone. If you take the signs of the time and try to predict the date that Jesus is coming back, I'm just going to be honest with you and real. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. And last time I checked, whenever I study the scripture, it says to be a good steward of your time. It doesn't say, and David Bullock wasted his time. If you try to predict the exact day and time that God's coming back, it's a waste of your time because even Jesus doesn't know. So let's go back to verse verse 8. It says, but all these things are merely the beginning of the birth pangs. The the, the contractions. As as my wife has had two children and as I think about the fact that she began to have contractions and I said, oh no, we're going to the hospital. Get there quickly. Because I ain't having a baby without professional help. You talk about me going home to see Jesus, I would go home to see Jesus. In Mark chapter 13, 3 through 8, it says this. And he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite of the temple, and Peter, James, and John, and Andrew were questioning him privately. Tell us what will take when all these things will be, and what will be the signs of all the things are going to be fulfilled. And Jesus began to say to them, see that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and and will mislead many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be frightened. Those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. For nation will rise up against nation and and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. And there will be famines. These things are merely the beginning of the birth pangs. He says it again in Luke chapter 21, verses 25 through 28. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars. And on earth display among nation, uh, dismay among nations in perplexity at the roaring of the seas and the waves. Men fainting from fear and expectation of the things which are to come upon the world. For the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the cloud with the power and great glory. But when these things begin to take place, straighten up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. I don't know about y'all, but let, let, let me just remind you, the signs of the time brings about a joyous expectation of what is to come. We need to rejoice in the fact that our redemption is drawing near. Amen? But if you're not a believer... If you don't believe in Jesus Christ, I'm just going to tell you, the signs of the time should scare you to death. Let's just be real. 
If you're not a believer today, if you do not believe in Jesus Christ and your Lord and Savior, I'm telling you, I just read the scripture to you. It shows us that the time is near. You say, well, David, I may have another year or two. You have no clue about that. That's what the evil one does to us. He lulls us into this sense of, of security and lulls us in a sense of time that we have all the time we want. And let me just tell you something. You have no clue. Unless you're God, you do not know how much time you got. And the last time I checked, there's only one great I am. His name is Jesus. So, how do we respond to all this? Number one, salvation. For those who believe in Jesus Christ, then you can check this off. Not that we're checking boxes here. But ultimately, if you do not know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I just told you that because of the fall of man, death entered the world. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Death entered the world through one man. Because of sin, it says that if we do not know Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, that we will die and live a life eternally apart from Christ. You know, Nicodemus said, what must I do to be saved? And, and it was said that, that, that you must be born again. He was real confused. Let me just explain this to you. If you're born once, you're going to die twice. If you're born to this earth, you're going to die when you li- breathe your last. But you're also going to die spiritually at the end. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever eternally apart from Christ. But if you're born again twice, praise God, you're only going to die one time. Let me just say that again. That's really exciting. If you're born again in Christ, if you're born twice, then you're only going to die one time. You know, I heard a, I heard a pastor say one time, and I love this. He said, you know, David, praise God that we eventually do die. I said, what do you mean? He goes, because we get to be with Jesus forever. We're not trapped in this, this body of sin forever and ever and ever. But since we die, we have, a, we have an end time. But because we believe in Christ and we've been born again, we, we live forever with Him. I don't know about y'all, but I would much rather be with Jesus forever and ever and ever than be here on earth forever and ever and ever. This place is already old to me. I'm talking about earth. Earth's already, I mean, I, hey... I see stuff every day that breaks my heart. I'm like, Lord, I'm ready to be with you. I'm ready to be up there where where sin doesn't reign all over the place like it does down here. And if you're sitting here and you're saying, David, I don't know Christ as my Lord and Savior. The scripture says in Romans chapter 6 verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Listen, because of your sin, you will die. And I'm talking spiritually. And actually, you're already dead. You just don't understand it. You don't get it. And so my prayer is, God, open your eyes that you may see Him high and lifted up, that you may understand that it's only by the blood of Jesus Christ that you can be transformed from death to life, or as Lecrae likes to say, crossed over from death to life. It says in Romans 5.8, For God demonstrated His love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let me tell you why that's important. Because for us to to pay the atonement for our sins, it required death. It says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, it says this. 
It says, and according to the law, one, many, one may almost say all things are cleansed with the blood, and without shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Jesus Christ came and lived a life that you may be born again. He died on the cross. He bled. He he poured out his life as a sacrifice, as an atonement, as a propitiation for your sins. And praise God, three days later, he rose again, conquering death, hell, and the grave. So what do we see here? If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you see the signs of the time which are happening all around us, it says the time is near. It's happening all around us. And so the question is this. Have you accepted Him as your personal Lord and Savior? Or are you still dead today? It says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. For with your heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Listen, if you're sitting here today and you're saying, David, are you being serious? It's, he's coming soon? Hey, he could come right now. He could be here. God could come back today. I'm not trying to put fear or scare you. I'm trying to tell you the truth of the the living Word of God. We don't know. But the last thing you need to do is play with your eternal salvation by saying, I got plenty of time. That is a lie from the pit of hell. It's a lie from the pit of hell. So the first thing that we need to do is we need, there needs to be salvation in our life. Our response to this fallen world, number one, is that salvation takes place. Number two is that we're to do the master's work. We're to do the master's work. Let me just go back to what I shared earlier. If you focus on trying to figure out the time and day that God's coming back, then you miss what God's called you to do today. You know, last night there was uh, stars and the moon and the sun and things came together in an amazing way. Many people went out into the night sky and looked at it and saw, you know, so, but let me just tell you, here's my concern. I heard from somebody that lives in a whole other state that this person had spent 30 hours trying to figure out, okay, does this line up with, is God coming back this day? 30 hours trying to figure out if God's coming back ultimately last night, which if he did, we're in trouble. But this person spent 30 hours not trying to figure out if it was signs of the time, but trying to figure out, is God coming back on this day? But think about it. 30 hours that could have been spent sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. 30 hours that could have been spent discipling people. 30 hours that could have been spent loving your neighbor and sharing the light of Jesus into the community. So let me just say this one more time. If we focus so much on the specific day of when God's going to come back, then we miss the work that God's called us to do today, right now. Luke chapter 21, 12 through 19 tells us, but before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and you'll be persecuted. They will persecute you, delivering you from the synagogues and prisons to the delivering you to the synagogues and prisons, bringing you before kings governs for my name's sake. It will lend to an opportunity for your testimony. Oh, do you realize what was just said? 
you're going to be captured. You're going to go through persecution. And praise God, you're going to get to share the light of Jesus through it. Some of us say, wait, hold up. I would much rather do it in a suit on the street corner or whatever. No, he's saying, hey, let me just tell you what's going to take place. You're going to be captured in some sense. You're going to go through major persecution. But I'm going to speak through you and the gospel is going to go forth during these last days. He says, verse 14, so make up your minds not to prepare. Make up your So make up your minds not to prepare beforehand to defend yourself. For I will give you the utterances and wisdom which none of your opponents will be able to resist or refute. Praise God. When you share your testimony in the midst of the persecution, they may hurt you. They may take your life from you. But let me just tell you something. They can't refute what you're speaking. Verse 16, but you will be betrayed even by parent, brother, relatives, friends. And they will put some of you to death. And you'll be hated because of my name. Yet not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your lives. Hey, the scripture tells us in those last days, not to sit back and just focus on your own kingdom. No, no. It tells us to go forward through the persecution, through the pain, and share the gospel with all the people around us so that many will come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior, so that they will not perish forever and ever and ever. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 45, it says this. Who then is the faithful and sensible slave whom his master put in charge of his household to give them their food at the proper time? The master put slaves in charge of different things and then he leaves. It says, blessed is the slave who, uh, whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But if that evil slave says in his heart, my master is not coming for a long time and begins to beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with drunkards. The master of the slave will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour which he does not know, and he will cut him into pieces, assign him a place with the hypocrites in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You say, David, that's strong. I'm just reading the Word of God. God has given each of us a a purpose and a, a reason to be alive this moment. If we didn't have a purpose and a plan for our life, we wouldn't be alive right this moment. I believe that scripturally. He's given us a purpose, and that purpose is to bring glory to His name, is to share the gospel, and He uses each of us in different capacities. For the high school students, He uses you at your high school. For those at your job, He's using you at your job. He's using you in those places. For for the pastors here, He's using us at, at the church and to help build up the body of believers. For those that have family members who don't know Christ, He's using you there in those places. He's put you in these places to share the gospel and do the work for His kingdom. And here's the thing. It says here, don't let the master come home and find you doing anything else. You say, David, what are we supposed to do? We're seeing signs of the time. Should we we cash out all of our 401k and go spend it all real quick? No. That'd be focused on the flesh. What you should do is you should keep moving forward for the kingdom of God, doing what he's called you to do today. This moment. And if he comes back today, praise God. And if he gives us another day, praise God, because we have another day to share the gospel of Jesus with the people of this city. So what has he called us to do? He says, in response to a fallen world, number one, salvation. Number two, do the work of the master. Number three, he says, be on alert. The time is near. 
Luke 21, 34 says this, Be on guard, so that your hearts will not be weighed down with the dissipation of the drunkards and the worries of life, that the day will not come on you suddenly like a trap. It says in Mark 13, 33 through 37, it says this, Take heed, keep on the alert, for you do not know when the appointed time will come. It's like a man always on a journey who upon leaving his house and putting his slave in charge assigns each one to a task, also commanding the doorkeeper to stay on alert. Therefore be on alert, for you do not know when your master of the house is coming, whether he is, whether in the evening at midnight or when the rooster crows in the morning, in case he should come suddenly and find you asleep. What I say to you, I say to all, be on alert. And then I love 2 Peter 3, 9 and 10. Right before that, he says some of those will mock, saying that he hasn't come back yet. Have you ever heard that before? Well, God, you know, it's so long now, God hasn't come back yet. And then he says, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Leave that slide up for a second, Stephen. Let me just say this to you. This is so important. People will mock God saying, well, he hasn't come back yet. He's not coming back. And the scripture says, though they mock him, he's actually doing this for their benefit. Wishing that none would perish and all come to repentance. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. God has patience He is patiently longing and desiring for many to come to know Him. So what do we do knowing that we live in a fallen world, knowing that the world has been cursed, and knowing that that signs of the time are happening all around us and will continue to happen? Number one, we walk in salvation. Number two, we do the Master's work. And number three, we be on alert. If the Lord came back today, what would He catch you doing? If the Lord came back today... What would he find you doing? And now, right now you're saying he'd find me at church. Yeah, but what about at 2 o'clock this afternoon? What about on Tuesday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon? What will the Lord find you doing? Will it be working for the kingdom of the living God? Or will it be saying, hey, i got to do everything to make sure my kingdom's okay? Where will he find us? Be on alert for it's coming. He's coming. Be on alert. Don't just, don't focus on your kingdom, focus on the kingdom of God. For he's coming again. Let me read to you, I didn't tell them in the back about this scripture, but let me read to you Revelation chapter 1. It says in Revelation chapter 1, at the very beginning, and remember this is a book that was spoken, that was given, that talks all about the end times. And in verse 3 it says, of chapter 1. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and heed the things which are written in it. And then what does it say? For the time is near. You say, David, how do I heed? How do I heed the words of this prophecy? 
If you're not a believer in Christ, I'm telling you, you're, you're on a path straight to hell. It says that the path is broad that leads to destruction, and you're on that path. You may not realize it. You may disagree with me. That's fine, but let me tell you something. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is the absolute truth. This is the word of the living God. It will not fail me. It's the one thing that will last forever. And so let me just tell you something. The word of God is the absolute truth. And it tells me today that, that, that if you die and you do not know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, it says that you will die a sinner's death and that you will burn in hell for the rest of your life. That's what it says. You think I enjoy saying that? No, I don't enjoy saying that. But that's what the scripture says. But for those who are believers, who believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, how do you heed the words of the prophecy as it says in verse 3 of Revelation chapter 1? How do you heed it? You go forth and you say, I'm going to make the most of every day for the kingdom of God and I'm not going to look back. I'm going to be on alert and I'm going to keep my eyes in some sense looking to the sky waiting for him to return. But that does not mean that I sit there and do nothing. That doesn't mean that I sit there and say, well, tomorrow's the day, so, so let's get everybody ready for that day. Let me tell you something. People have predicted the day over and over and over, and let me tell you something. They have 100% failed on predicting that day. 88 reasons why God's going to come back in 1988. Y'all heard that before? I have a pamphlet in my office that says God's going to come back on September 11, 2008. Let me just tell you something. That's come, gone, and passed. People told me even the other day that God's coming back at this time on September 23rd of 2017. That was yesterday. It came and it went. But let me just tell you something. There's going to be a moment. And it's going to happen. And just as the example of Noah and the ark, they ate and they drank. In verse 24, verse, chapter 24, verse 37, For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the day of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. So here's what I want to say in closing today. And I'm actually going to close with my final point. But this is how I want to close today. We just sing a song, Come to the Altar. If you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I pray to God that you will come to the altar today. And that you will confess Him as your Lord and Savior as Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10 says. But then at the end of that song, it said that we're going to go and share the hope that we found every day. I pray to God for believers that in light of the times, uh, of the signs of the times that, that God is near, that you will go and share the hope of Jesus Christ every moment of every day, that you will come and confess that and make that the cry of your heart today. But I want to close with my last point. And the last point is, yes, there was a perfect world. Yes, there was a fallen world. But praise God, there's going to be a restored earth. Revelation chapter 1, 1 through 4 says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of the heavens from God and made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And look at verse 4, I love it. And he will wipe away every tear from their eye. There will be no longer any death. 
Death is gone. Death is removed. There will be no more mourning or crying or pain. And the first things have passed away. Let me just tell you something. Yes, there was a perfect world. Yes, there's a fallen world. But praise God, there's a restored earth coming and it's all in Revelation chapter one and, uh, chapter 21 and chapter 22. And praise God. Remember that last enemy in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 26, that last enemy death? There is no more death any longer. It's been defeated by Jesus Christ. And it is no longer anymore. I don't know about y'all, but as we just read those last verses, I had Holy Ghost goosebumps all over me. I'm not trying to scare you, but He's coming. He's coming. And I would do you a disfavor to tell you anything other. So today, how will you respond knowing that He is near. The hour, the moment is near.